Good mornings, I'm Chris Oaks, and coming up today, even as families are dealing with the headaches of FAFSA, there are even more changes for college-bound students. Beginning this year, the traditional SAT exam is going fully digital. We have the information you need to know. Also this morning, Representative Bob Latta joins us to talk about avoiding a government shutdown, the battle over securing the southern border, and America's role in supporting conflicts overseas. As the top-seeded Trojans begin the boys' basketball tournament, some other Findlay High School athletes will be making a tournament appearance tonight as well on the wrestling mat. We'll get a preview. In case you missed it, the annual Finley Kiwanis Club Pancake Day happens tomorrow. We have a preview and another collection of recipes from Kyra's Kitchen. This is the Good Mornings Podcast Edition for Friday, March 1st, 2024. So yesterday, Leap Day, and an Arkansas family, this was kind of a cool story that I saw on the Newswire this morning, an Arkansas family welcomed their second Leap Year baby yesterday. I mean, having a baby on on Leap Day is pretty rare, and Samantha and Zach Dennis have had two of them. It was their second child born on February 29th, 16 years after the birth of, uh, of his older sibling. Uh, the children were both born at the same clinic with the same doctors. Uh, 16-year-old Caden, born in 2008, and Haven, born yesterday. Uh, Haven, by the way, is the family's seventh child. So it's not like they only have two and they were both born on February 29th. They're two of seven, but they were both born on February 29th. So that's pretty cool, actually. That's And when it says that uh, Caden uh, is 16, he's 16 in normal years, <laughs> not 16 in leap years. You know how they do that. So that would make him, what, 60 or something? No, no. 16. Anyway, um, so we're into the uh, month of March now, which brings up the when do uh, leap year, leap day birthdays, uh, when do leap day birthday kids celebrate their birthday? Is it on March 1st? I mean, that would be the normal day. Yesterday would have been March 1st in a normal calendar, so that's when I would think. But uh, I also saw a story uh, yesterday is from an older lady uh, who said she always loved being born on February 29th because she could celebrate her birthday whenever she wanted <laughs> on off years. Anyway, so uh, originating the program from the home studio this morning, as we do quite frequently on Friday, most of the time on Friday, we're in the uh, home studio here in the bunker uh, this morning. And I saw this story kind of interesting. 69% of workers who attend virtual meetings, which are certainly much uh, more common these days since the pandemic, and like I said, we're uh, you know working at home, uh, the home studio this morning ourselves, and I think a lot of folks uh, do spend at least part of their uh, work week uh, working remotely uh, these days. Uh, not as much, obviously, as during the pandemic, but I think a lot of people will do that at least occasionally. And according to a new survey, 69% of workers who attend virtual meetings have admitted to wearing a professional top and casual bottoms on a video call. <laughs> One worker who participated in the survey said that they have seen 
colleagues who had no time to change or claim that they had no time to change and were wearing pajamas at a uh, at a meeting. Um, and I, I have to admit today, now there are some days when I will do the show from home and uh, I will get up and I'll get ready for work just like I normally would shower, get dressed, you know, the whole the whole bit. And then there are other days like today where I just roll out of bed, throw on some PJs, some comfy clothes, <laughs> and lumber into the studio and start. Um, and today is one of those days. So I'm, I'm a bit casual today myself. Uh, I thought this was kind of interesting, though, and this is worth noting if you have workers, if you're a manager or a business owner and you have people who work uh, from home from time to time and you do those virtual meetings, you should know that 35% or no, I'm sorry, I, I'm reading that wrong. Um, the average worker, I don't know if it's 35% or not. Uh, no, the way this is worded, the average worker on one of those video calls, one of those video virtual meetings, the average worker zones out about 27 minutes in. So if you're having one of those virtual meetings, keep it under 30 minutes or folks going to uh, zoom uh, zoom out in those Zoom meetings. Kind of interesting. Uh, some of the other uh, most interesting and buzzworthy stories to get your Friday morning started here. Uh, speaking of technology... Here is an interesting use, technology and jobs, uh, a related story, an interesting use for artificial intelligence. A former Disney recruiter by the name of Simon, Simon Taylor is suggesting in a new news story that before you head to a job interview, you might want to go over some questions with ChatGPT. You know, the artificial intelligence chatbot that you can interact with. You can use that to do sort of a mock interview. Mr. Taylor says providing the chatbot with the job description and then asking it to interview you, um, you can you can practice before your actual interview. Kind of interesting. I like the idea. Apparently, he uh, believes that the chatbot is intelligent enough to provide some decent preparation for this. He says providing the chatbot with a job description, what you do is you paste, cut and paste the job description into the prompt and then telling the chatbot, I want to conduct a mock interview based on this job description. And when you're done, uh, chat GPT may praise or give constructive feedback based on your responses. That is actually pretty cool. That's a, that's a good idea. So if you are uh, job hunting... Maybe something you might want to consider. Keep in mind. Um, you know, during the pandemic, when we were locked down and we couldn't see anybody and we were communicating with loved ones via video chat and all of that is the only sort of contact we had with the outside world. When all of that ended, people just ex exploded. The vacation industry just exploded. You remember that was the uh, one of the big stories is that people were ready to go someplace and gather with people. There's big celebrations, big gatherings, and uh, so on were suddenly very popular. Well, now a new report in the Wall Street Journal 
says the folks who are booking getaways and vacations these days, travel agencies are seeing more and more clients wanting to get away and do nothing once they get there. <laughs> a, a survey, the, uh, the story in the journal cited a survey from market research firm Longwoods International that showed 21% of would-be vacationers are citing rest and relaxation as their top priority for a forthcoming vacation. And I wanted to bring this up because we're getting into spring and summer travel season here. People are starting to plan their trips. 17% said rest and, relax, rest and relaxation was the top priority uh, in the same survey last September. So it's trending upward. Um, other options that were less popular were having fun and spending time with family. <laughs> so we don't care about spending time with other people. We just want a little R&R. After folks, the report says, after folks crossed their dream getaways off their bucket lists and reunited with their family members abroad following the end of COVID-19 travel restrictions, vacationers now just want to chill. They feel like, okay, I've caught up with everyone. I need some me time now. This is according to the president CEO of Longwoods International that uh, conducted the survey. Uh, to that end, travel agents are responding, seeing more people booking cruises for the first time. Uh, and all-inclusive resorts are becoming very popular. Because, again, you don't have to do anything. You can just focus on yourself. Uh, Shane Mahoney, founder of the luxury tour company Lugos Travel in Lakeland, Florida, says, I was shocked at how many trips our agency started booking in 2023 that involved things like beach time and chocolate tastings instead of helicopter tours and cliff diving. He said about 80% of his clients just want to relax now. That's the priority for uh, vacationing in the spring and summer of 2024, apparently. So we've had enough. <laughs> we, we've had our fill of other people now post-pandemic. It's time to focus on ourselves once again. These things, you know, I'm sure these things kind of go in ebbs and flows and so on. But that is the uh, trend for vacation this year, apparently. And how about this? This is big news. If you are a fan of The Sopranos, you might be interested in this. The New Jersey restaurant booth that was featured in the finale of the popular HBO series is now up for sale on eBay. Not the whole restaurant, mind you, just the booth where uh, the iconic booth where the Sopranos uh, family gathered at Holston's Brookdale Confectionery which has long been a popular fan destination. Uh, as popular as the show was, people you know, would travel to New Jersey to see this booth <laughs> that the Sopranos used was on, the, uh, on the series. Millions have uh, visited since the 2007 series finale. Uh, it is so popular that it even bears a sign that says reserved for the Sopra uh, Soprano family. But here's the thing. The, uh, the restaurant is now making renovations. And they are removing the booth. I know. It's like sacrilege. They're going to 
mess with the Sopranos booth. But they are remodeling the restaurant, renovating, and so the booth is coming out, and now they are offering it up on eBay. You could actually own the Sopranos booth from Holston's Brookdale Confectionery featured on the show. It is up for bids on eBay, and already at last check, over $13,000, which actually seems rather inexpensive, but over $13,000 is the uh, leading bid so far, and buyers have until Monday to try and snap up this uh, iconic piece of television history. If you've got an extra thirteen grand laying around, you could have the uh, Sopranos. I think that should be in the Smithsonian or something. I mean, uh, I, I don't know that it should end up in somebody's basement in their man cave or something. I, I hope, I hope that eventually it ends up because I'm sure that's where it will end up in someone's man cave. But I hope eventually it uh, gets finds its way to the Smithsonian or something because it is. It is an iconic piece of. TV history. There you go. Some of the most interesting and buzzworthy stories to get your Friday morning started. WFIN News. I'm Matt Demchek. Your WTOL 11 weather. Partly to mostly cloudy today. A high around 50. Mostly cloudy tonight. Uh, low around 40. The Hancock County Drug Task Force, along with other local agencies, conducted a drug and criminal interdiction blitz in Finley and Hancock County. During the blitz, which was held on Wednesday, authorities conducted 59 traffic stops, issued 15 citations, and made three felony arrests. The task force said this was one of several multi-agency events that are planned for the area and across the state. The task force says the blitz was the first locally to include coordinators from the Family Resource Center, The purpose is to include the prevention treatment aspect with those in the community struggling with addiction and substance abuse, and the hope is to connect them with treatment and resources as soon as possible. Get more on the story on our website. Finley Mayor Christina Mern delivered her 2024 State of the City Address. The most challenging part of being mayor is not running a city. It's leading a community of people with diverse beliefs, backgrounds, and visions for what They want Finley to be today and into the future. In the address, Mayor Mern highlighted continued priorities for the city, such as flood mitigation, housing, homeless, workforce, mental health, addiction, and infrastructure. Get more on the mayor's state of the city address in the story on our website. A sheriff's deputy in Madison County had a close encounter with one of the tornadoes that touched down on Wednesday morning. Sergeant Travis Skank never expected to get caught in the middle of the tornado. You could see obvious wind direction. It was one way, then it was another, and a a lot of objects. His patrol car picked up by the strong winds. It got very light. I mean, I could feel my tires spin a couple of times. It was just real thankful. I have a better understanding of the terrifying nature that people go through when they're in those situations. ONN's Carla Rogner reporting. The Hancock Park District is inviting people to join them for overnight camp on July 9th and 10th. Park District says campers will pitch a tent, build a campfire, and prepare a meal. Get more details on the Park District's overnight camp in the story on our website. And remember, you can always get more news online anytime at WFIN.com. Well, it has been a big story as we head to the traditional deadline for college enrollment, those changes to the FAFSA that has been that have been slow to roll out. 
but will ultimately be beneficial for students and families. Well, that's not the only thing that is changing when it comes to applying for college. Starting in 2024, the SAT is going fully digital. The College Board promises uh, the familiar entrance exam will now be easier to take, more relevant for students, and will provide schools with a more accurate measure of a student's readiness for higher education. Priscilla Rodriguez is Senior Vice President of College Readiness Assessments for the College Board. So, Priscilla, to be clear, this will be fully digital now. The option to take a traditional paper test will no longer be available, correct? That is right. Yes, this is a full transition to digital for both the PSATs, so those practice uh, assessments that students generally take in the earlier grades of high school to get ready for the SAT and the SAT. The one um, nuance I want to add to that is that for students who have accommodations, right, driven by special needs, Mm. disabilities, et cetera, that do require them to take testing on paper, we will, of course, continue to support them. Okay. An example that might help your listeners is Braille, right? Right. So we will, for students who use Braille on paper, we will, of course, continue to serve them. Uh, certainly. Otherwise, an, yes, yeah. this is a full transition to digital. Certainly an important point. So explain the reasoning behind the decision to go to a fully digital SAT. Sure. So yeah, so the SAT has been uh, given on paper for about 100 years. Um, and of course, like, nearly everything else in our lives, right? We've been thinking for a while now, you know, call it 10 years or so, how and when would we go digital too? And what we never wanted to do was get ahead of students in school, right? If they weren't ready, we weren't going to kind of pull them into this. And what became really apparent in the last, call it three to five years, is that students in schools are ready And that's largely because students are doing a lot of their learning digitally and a lot of their other testing digitally to the point where we were increasingly hearing that us shipping those Scantron bubble answer sheets that require kind of perfectly circled in circles, got, you know, gosh, we all remember those skip a row and miss bubble down the rest of the sheet, right, Um, are genuine sources of stress for students. There is enough, let's just be honest, you know, enough stress when you take an SAT as a student. The last thing that should be causing you stress is how you take it. Um, And so it felt like the time had come. Students in schools are ready and we're excited to bring them an SAT that is going to feel a lot more natural and I hope a lot less stressful for today's students. Of course, uh, also over the past several years, many schools have eliminated the requirement to take the SAT. During the pandemic, especially, we saw a number of institutions become test optional. Some are now going back to that requirement, but was that part of the decision to do this complete overhaul? And if it is optional, why should students bother? Yeah, you know, it's a great question. It did, I would say it didn't, the, the move to test optional spurred by COVID didn't It's not a reason we're going digital, Mm -hmm. but it has had us really look at the digital experience and the test itself and say, especially when taking this test is an option, how do we make it the best possible option for students? What does this test need to do? It needs to reliably assess students' core reading, writing, and math skills, Mm -hmm. right? That's what it must do. Does it need to have sources of stress for students that are not related to that? No. So get rid of the bubble sheet. Get rid of the sense of being rushed, right? We've been able to 
kind of slow the test down if you think about time per question that students have. We've been able to make the test shorter, almost an hour shorter, digital than paper. That removes stress and fatigue. Yeah. We are now allowing students to use a calculator throughout the whole math section. That's less stress, right? So I think that's where test optional has influenced how we're going digital. Um, and I'll quickly get to the, you know, why, why should students still take it? I'll start with a data point. 1.9 million students in the high school class of 2023, that's the last class that graduated from high school, took the SAT. That is not a lot less than that number was before COVID when it was generally required by every college and university. Why is that? First thing, as I said, the SAT is a standardized and understandable measure of reading, writing, and math skills. When a student feels it's a good reflection of what they've learned, it helps colleges get that score. It helps make sense of the high school GPA and transcript that the colleges received from one of 25,000 high schools we have in this country who have different course offerings and different grading policies, a lot of which colleges may not be familiar with. So it can help a student give colleges confidence. It can even be a point of strength for students on their application. The other reason has nothing to do with applying for college, everything to do with paying for it. Between the PSATs and the SAT, those assessments connect students to $300 million of scholarships every single year. Families are stressed about how to pay for college. Having your student take the PSATs and or SAT can connect them to real scholarship dollars to help you pay. Now, Helping students prepare for the SAT has, over the years, grown into an industry unto itself. With all of these changes being implemented now, uh, how can students practice for the digital version of the exam? I really appreciate that question because you're right. And about 10 years ago, College Board really recognized that. This this predates my leadership of the SAT, so I don't take credit for it personally. But <laughs> um, the College Board you know, really wanted to even the playing field when it comes to access to great SAT prep and practice. Before that, it was really about paid classes. For what it's worth, I'll quickly say, I grew up in a family that could not pay for SAT prep classes. Mm -hmm. I remember how that made me worry that my peers were at an advantage that I couldn't have. So SAT, uh, the college board decided to partner with another nonprofit called Khan Academy, leaders in online teaching and tutoring for students, and create together best-in-class free SAT practice. That partnership continues now that we're transitioning digital. They remain great partners and, and the best at, at kind of teaching kids and refreshing their skills and knowledge. And we've taken this step further. We, within the Blue Book testing app that students are going to use on test day, which they can download in advance at any point, inside of Blue Book are four full-length official SAT practice tests. They look and behave exactly like the real test. So students can be familiar with how the app works, its tools, its functions, what the questions look like. They can work on their timing and their pacing, and they get practice scores back on each of them and diagnostic on the skill areas where they are in good shape and the skill areas where they would benefit from refreshing and practicing with Khan Academy before coming back to take a practice test again. Now, I want it running out of time, but real quickly, I want to mention, uh, ask you this because as we mentioned, there were big changes made to the FAFSA recently as well, and the rollout has been anything but smooth. Are you confident that this will not become a similar headache for students and for colleges? I am, uh, and and that confidence comes from two key places. 
The first is we launched the digital SAT outside of the U.S., 180 plus countries a year ago. It is the SAT outside of the world now, the digital one, outside, outside of the world. We haven't quite reached that level outside <laughs> of the U.S. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and over 300,000 students have already taken it. This is the SAT around the world at this point, And the feedback has been great. Second point of confidence is this past fall, specifically October of 2023, we launched the PSATs digitally, right? We wanted students taking those to take it digitally in service of the SAT this spring. That was 4.1 million students across 19,000 high schools. We learned some things. There was some stuff we could improve. We've been able to do all of that or a lot of it by this spring. We're going in feeling confident and we're ready to support students in schools who may encounter any kind of issue. Could be the machine they're using. We have a help desk. We have tech support. We're here to support every student as they make this transition with us. Again, Priscilla Rodriguez, Senior Vice President of College Readiness Assessments for the College Board. Real quickly, where do folks learn more information? Yes, they can go to sat.collegeboard.org backslash digital. Priscilla, thanks very much for taking the time and laying all this out for us. We appreciate it. Thank you. I appreciate it. Thanks so much. Well, it seems like it's something of a broken record on Capitol Hill. Once again, we're talking about avoiding a government shutdown. Representative Bob Latta is with us on the line this morning. Congressman, obviously the good news, uh, a temporary deal was reached to avoid a, a partial government shutdown that would have happened today. But the last temporary measure uh, was approved in order to give uh Congress time to get those larger bills passed. Is this one week extension going to be enough to make a difference? Can this actually get done? Well, thanks for having me on. And uh, you're absolutely correct. One of the things when we you think about a government shutdown, I know some people think, well, we're going to save money by by shutting the government down, but mm-hmm. actually it's the reverse because we pay everybody back anyway and plus for everything that we shut down it costs more money to restart than it does if you keep things going so the thing you want to do is first of all uh, get these things appropriation bills done in this case it's important because all of the what they call the four corners which are the the republican leader and the the speaker in the house and the democrat uh, leader and, and and the same in the senate have all come to an agreement. We, we'd come to a, what they call a top-line number well over about a year ago to, so we could work forward on that. But the problem's been uh, getting these appropriation bills through. And right now, uh, since everybody's in agreement and getting the numbers done now, they, we should have the, the first six done, and then we'll do the next six to get, the, get this done because, again, it's important that, uh, first of all, we, uh, you know, you get your work done because the next part of this is, is that, and you know, you and I have talked, <laughs> we got to get our house in order. Mm-hmm. Uh, our, the government spending is out of control. And since the last time that we talked, uh, and you know, I've always been one to follow how much interest we have to pay on the federal debt. Right. Going on on the budget committee. The congressional budget office just came out with a new number that this year, the interest on the debt will exceed, will become the number two item we have to pay. It's going to be $870 billion. 
which means it will be Social Security, interest payments, Medicare, and then the, the paying for defense. So uh, it, this that, is, I mean, when you talk about something out of control, this thing's out of control. That really emphasizes the importance of getting these bills uh, actually passed instead of kicking the can down the road, because obviously that doesn't do anything to improve the situation. You mentioned the uh, meeting at the White House between senior congressional leaders and the president. You said there's been a general agreement on a top line number for many months now. So again, it raises the question, why the delay and can you get this done? Whatever you do in the House, can you get it through the Senate and on the president's desk? Yeah, I, I think it will because, again, the, the Senate went ahead because we passed the bill uh, for the extension on the, on the continuing resolution yesterday. The Senate did the same. So that, that's why we don't have a shutdown today. Because sometimes also, you know, when you talk about shutdowns, people think, well, we're shutting the government down. But then it affects so many businesses out there that right. when you look at uh, if you have to, if you're in a, a, a manufacturing business that has to have federal inspection, all of a sudden you can't do it, so you should have to shut down. Mm-hmm. And uh, especially uh, we think about on the uh, uh, ag the ag side yeah. along with it. Yeah. But we we've done some research just to give you an idea from the three shutdowns that we've had you know, since uh, 2014. We've, this is hard to believe, but we've documented the number. It's 57,000 years of lost productivity. Uh, again, it's, unbe- it's unbelievable. Yeah, it, it, it emphasizes the importance, and, and obviously you're still on the clock uh, for uh, this very short-term extension delaying a potential shutdown, but still a right. lot of work uh, that has to be done. Also want to ask you, while we have you here, about the uh, crisis on the southern border. We've talked about this uh, in the yep. past. Yesterday, we saw uh, dueling appearances at the border uh, by President Biden and former President Trump. Uh, Trump blaming Biden for the mess. Biden blaming Trump for killing the uh, border security bill. Um, what about that uh, border security bill? Obviously, it's yep. not perfect, uh, but even the agents on the border have come out in support of that bill. One of them quoted on ABC News yesterday as saying, no, it's not perfect, but it's better than what we have now. Why not get that done and move that forward? Well, first, the president already has the authority to do everything he has to do. The Remain in Mexico policy, the asylum uh, the uh, the catch and release policy, the refusal to build the wall, which he killed once again. You know this wall was being. This is what the border patrol wanted. They wanted that wall, but this uh, President Biden, you know, was just adamant. And so, you know, it's horrible. <laughs> right now, we have all that steel laying out on the ground that Biden is now selling for scrap. And so, the president, you know, has the ability. And in the House, again, we passed a piece of legislation, H.R. 2, last year, which really just incorporated into law all of the different provisions that the president has the authority. So when President Biden says, oh, you got to give me this, that, and says, no, wait a minute, you, you have that authority. But it's just like when President Biden killed the Keystone XL pipeline that stopped 830,000 barrels of oil to come into the United States from Canada every day. He always has a quick blame for somebody else. But you have to go back and look what he did. And he's also the guy, before he was inaugurated, pretty much said, come on up, the border's open. 
And when I was down well, there with Speaker, uh, that you know we have 130 different nationalities now, countries crossing the Del Rio sector, right? Every you know in a year. Yeah. But so the president, the president again has the authority, but just do it. And, and as you mentioned, and you point out, and that actually is one of the uh, points that I, I wanted to make and ask you about, and the the, the point has been made, I, again, I, I know that the, the narrative is that Republicans have killed this border bill uh, because not they didn't want to give uh, the president a, a victory, but couldn't this, I mean, this really would be a Republican victory, wouldn't it? I mean, it's forcing the president and Democrats to concede a point that they didn't want to make and Republicans have held the president's feet to the fire on this. Passing the border bill is actually a, a victory for Republicans. Wouldn't it be? Well, also in the legislation, uh, you know, there's some provision in there about how many people a day could be allowed, like over 5,000. And then they would uh, say, okay, that's, a, that's all we're going to let cross. But, uh, the, you know, that's, that's, one point, but the, the other problem you have is, is what the Border Patrol calls is the gotaways. You've got uh, thousands, tens of thousands of people, you know, coming across that border that aren't going across and saying, well, I'm here, uh, take me in. These are people that are crossing the border for, you know, who knows what reason. They could be terrorists. They could be wanting to do harm to this country, they drug, mm-hmm. the drug smugglers. So yeah, that was kind of an odd provision to have. You know, what we're saying is, no. First of all, it's just like the other day. We had another uh, naturalization process, uh, ceremony here in Northwest Ohio where people came here legally, right. worked to become American citizens, and then they, they raised their hand to do that. Now what we're having is, and the Border Patrol says, we will never see these people ever again. And the important point to point out again, a lot of people think when these people cross the border, well, they're here and that's it. These cartels follow them. And they tell them that if you don't give us more money, we're going to kill your families in your home countries. Women are being raped on the way up. Mm. People are being murdered. Yep. And then, you know, the Texas sheriffs that we met with yep. said that a lot of women are forced into prostitution for eight to 10 years on the side of the border. Yeah, no question. And we have a hundred and we have a hundred thousand kids now that we don't even know where they are. Yeah, no and question. So this is why we got, we got, we got to, again, if the president would just do just certain things that he has the authority to do, but let's face it, he's afraid of his left flank, and his left flank says, "Let them all in." Yeah, and so no, uh, he doesn't. He doesn't want to lose those voters. No question. One of the uh, big issues uh, are the mules that are bringing these uh, uh, these folks to the border, and and uh, no one disputes that for uh, for certain. One of the reasons why there's been so much consternation over this border bill is that it also includes additional funding uh, for Ukraine and holding up the bill holds up that funding. How important is it uh, to continue to support the Ukrainians in their battle against Russia moving forward? A lot of folks are saying, hey, we've done enough. Well, uh, you know, first, uh, there's another country that's watching this, and this is communist China. You know, we've got, uh, and it's nothing secret, we had somebody from the Pentagon last last year say that communist China could invade Taiwan within two to five years. Right. And and if that would occur, people have to understand this. Ukraine is not a NATO country, so we're not, you know, if if there is an attack on one, is an attack on all under NATO. Right. So we're seeing Sweden and Finland being accepted into NATO now. 
if Putin would have been able to bid, like some of these analysts have said, if he could have taken Ukraine in three to five days, he's trying to reconstitute the Soviet Union. And then he would have been looking around for another country to attack. And if he thought, well, you know what, the West isn't going to do anything, he's just going to attack a NATO country. Right. And all of a sudden, and then we'd be, we would be literally at war right now with American boots on the ground. Communist China, if they attack Taiwan, we, we, we will have to go into that fight and we're and we're talking massive naval battle and and massive um, amount of american life lost in some of these table exercises right that have been talked about right now so, so but you know again ukraine right now uh they've been fighting for over two years but this is since that invasion people have to remember russia grabbed the crimea Russia has been uh, in there uh, supporting, quote unquote, the separatists in the southeast yeah. part of the country. And uh, that what, if, if Ukraine falls, uh, it'll, it will be a situation where history repeats itself, where the world in 1938 turned its back on Czechoslovakia with Hitler. Mm-hmm. And then Hitler said, well, if I can take the, right. the sedate exactly. land, I'm taking the rest of Czechoslovakia. He took Austria. He marched into the Rhineland and, when he wasn't supposed to. And, and we all know and what. And then, of course, uh, uh, what happened on September the 1st, 1939, when he attacked and started World War II by attacking Poland. Yeah, we but all you know, know what briefly, happened there. Real quickly, that, you know, you know, people kind of forget this, but back in 1994, the Ukraine, the United States, United Kingdom, and Russia signed what they call the Budapest Mem- Memorandum. This is where Ukraine gave up all of their nuclear arms. And the United States said we wouldn't recognize anybody attacking what they would do. A good point. And so, yeah. still, uh, that people, people, people kind of forget about. Yeah. Uh, and you know, I, 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 I uh, do to always do my research, but I also uh, was a historian by training, and so you got to look at this stuff. But you know, we're, we're saying that uh, we're gonna, we're going to, you know, it's not that we might go into fighting. But we're promised that uh, we wouldn't ever threaten or use force yeah. against that uh, territory integrity yeah. for the we, for the political independence of Ukraine. I, I've got to stop you there because we are out of time, but obviously still a very yeah. precarious uh, p- situation uh, over there. Again, Representative Bob Latta with us uh, this morning. Congressman, thanks very much for taking the time. We appreciate it. Great uh, for having me on again and have a wonderful day. It is a sure sign of spring coming up tomorrow, the annual Findlay Kiwanis Club Pancake Day fundraiser over at Findlay High School. In case you missed it on the program last week, Jeremy Strapp and Brian Bauman from the Findlay Kiwanis dropped by to share all of the details. Another sure sign that spring is right it's around. Almost the corner. It's yeah. almost here. It's almost here, right? Sure. <laughs> you were saying though, this uh, it's actually a little bit earlier than it's yeah. been years past. Yeah, it's about a week earlier. You, normally, it's sometime in the middle of uh, uh, March, but this year it is the first weekend of March. It's March second, Saturday, uh, from seven a.m. until one p.m. at Finley High School, just like in the past. But uh, one one interesting part this year, and I, I don't know if this ever happened before in the history of our club, but this is March second. It's also the birthday of our club. It really? was it the 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 uh, it was founded uh, back and the charter was given to us back on uh, March second, nineteen twenty. So we're celebrating one hundred and four years this year. Wow! So we're gonna have a party. You're gonna have a uh, big party. Big party. 
Talk a little bit about what uh, Kiwanis does. Uh, for those who are uh, not familiar, I mean, we've all heard of the Kiwanis Club, uh, but what is it that is the mission of the Kiwanis? So it, really, we do things like Kiwanis Pancake Day because it all goes back to the kids of Finley and Hancock County uh, through um, our, our, our program, uh, Kiwanis Closets, whereby uh, certain kids, uh, whether they have a spill or or, or whatever an that day, they cool. an accident, they can uh, they can come and they can get uh, pants, shirt, socks, underwear. Yeah. But also, um, it's a little more than that in that if they're in need, they can go and get those clothes, yeah. no questions asked. Yeah. Um, but we're also pretty uh, proud of the uh, Brooklocker uh, Memorial Park over by the Little Red Schoolhouse. We, we do that. Um, I, I Certainly as a kid, I remember going to the Little Red Schoolhouse right. you know, on the field trips. Um, but it, it's sort of it, – it's. Um, we have a, a shelter house there where they can have their lunch. Mm-hmm. They can have recess on the park. It's it's sort of an all you know kind of inclusive and, uh, experience for the kids, and, and we're pretty proud of it. Um, yeah. Of course, in, in honor of uh, uh, Mr. Brooklocker, a longtime secretary uh, of our club and, uh, and a board member at the Hancock County uh, Historical Society, because that ground is owned by the Historical Society. So yeah. we 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 developed the park four years ago for a hundredth anniversary mm-hmm. um, as a gift to the city and to the county. Uh, community so uh, it's it's a great way to, to give back and and all of our funds that we generate through uh through uh pan- pancake day and some of the other uh, purse bingo is another big fundraiser we have throughout mm-hmm. the year and that's in the summertime all those funds go right back to the community right back to the kids and there's more than just uh all you can eat pancake and sausage which is you know one of the you know, obviously the big draw yeah. of pancake day you've got some other stuff going on oh uh, yeah absolutely we'll, yeah absolutely we'll we'll have we'll have a kids zone uh, which is always a fun time uh different uh, different groups will come in to, to to have fun with the kids uh we'll have a 50-50 drawing uh, we'll, uh, i think we're going to be doing uh, pancakes and sausage this year this is a fun game that we we do every year at uh, purse bingo um it's a little fundraiser we have throughout the day and it's going to be a lot of fun where you, you get to pick sides you know, and and uh, either either you 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 see your pancake or your sausage, and and then uh, you flip a coin, and it's a fun game, okay. um, a lot All of right. fun that will bring that into the, uh, the the event as well. So. A lot of fun things going on that day, and uh, have a uh, raffle going on. Uh, yeah, be as a, well? yeah, be a fifty-fifty as well. Okay, yeah, uh, yeah. So, and and again, it's seven to one. You can come whenever. Yeah, uh, exactly. And, and stay for as long as you like. That's right. Uh, and uh, and hang out. How many how many people does it take to pull off uh, an event like this? <laughs> A small army. Yeah, uh, a small army. We, there, there are a lot of people in the back that uh, that don't get seen on Pancake yeah. Day. Yeah, and it's a well-oiled machine <laughs> this, yeah, for it's, sure. It's all hands on deck, and not yeah. just within our club. But we 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 have uh, right. we have several service organizations that we partner with um, in our community. We have a key club, a Qantas Key Club, it's at Finley High School. I mm-hmm. um, at Van Buren High School as well. Um, there's also Builders Club, which is a younger um, middle school um, a group that's at, at Macomb. They come and help us. The Key Club comes to help us. Blanchard Valley Center, the Action Club there, comes and helps us. We're also got, uh, I think, a couple of different uh, 4-H groups that are going to be stopping by to, to, to lend a hand. So it, it really is a whole hands-on deck. Yeah. And I know uh, in years past, you know, you've had uh, celebrity uh, pancake oh, flippers as well. So you never know who might be flipping your pancakes. Yeah, yeah so we're, we're so kind to of, speak. Yeah, we're, we're kind of excited <laughs> this year um, with. Of course, it being our uh, club's birthday on March 2nd, but Ohio's birthday on March 1st, uh, we'll have both Representative Cross and uh, Senator McCauley. Uh, we'll do a little, uh, I think we're going to do a little birthday pancake for the state of Ohio <laughs> yeah, as well yeah. for, with, with those guys uh, guys around. So. Yeah. 
Uh, how do folks get tickets? Yeah, uh, let's talk this? tickets. Yep, absolutely. Tickets are available at the door, of course, uh, on the day of the event, but also uh, from your favorite Kwanian. Um, ahead of time from your favorite Kwanian. You can also pick up tickets at Trends on Main, uh, AAA Finley, and Heavenly Pizza. They've okay. been great uh, partners with us over the years, so we appreciate it. Our conversation last week with Jeremy Strapp, Brian Bauman from the uh, Finley Kiwanis Pancake Day happening tomorrow at Finley High School. $8 uh, for adults, $7 for students and seniors. And once again, you can get those tickets at the door, so you don't have to have them in advance. If you want more information, check out our webpage. Go to goodmornings.net. Kiwanis Pancake Day, not the only thing happening at Findlay High School as the top-seeded Trojans begin the basketball tournament with a game that they should have no trouble winning tonight. Uh, they take on Toledo Wait at 7 o'clock. We will be on the air with pregame coverage beginning at 6.30 this evening here on WFIN, but they are not the only Findlay High School athletes who will be making a tournament appearance tonight. They'll also be out there on the wrestling mat. Uh, individual districts will be held tonight in Perrysburg, and head coach Ben Kirian spoke with John Marshall this week on the Coach's Corner. Let's recap the last few weeks for the boys. Your boys finished 8th in the state in the OHSAA Boys Dual Tournament, losing to eventual champion St. Edwards, right? Yeah, it was the uh, first time we've ever been there. It was it was really cool. We uh, wrestled really well in the, um, I guess it'd be like the, the regional semifinal sort of concept. Like the, They call it the first round of the district mm -hmm. tournament. Um, so we, we pulled two two big wins for us, and we made the trip and uh, saw some high level wrestling, and it was it was it was a good time. It, the results obviously isn't what we want, but the kids wrestled hard, and I couldn't ask anything better out of them. A fourth place finish at your first NLL league tournament. Uh, all league honors for your team include second team selections Austin Sertel and Keegan Klotz. Third team honors for Caliber Brubaker and Cohen Shannon. Not a bad showing there either. No, we we were really pleased. Um, and actually, some of those guys that we struggled with uh, at the NLL was the first time seeing them. We, we knocked off some of those guys last week at the sectional tournament. Definitely, it's a tougher league than what we were in because you took the top teams from the track and we joined the, the NLL. So it's just a really deep league. Now, you're into the individual tournament now. How are things going for the boys? Uh, going really well. We, we qualified eight guys um, to the district tournament at Perrysburg that's this Friday. And uh, we had three alternates. So... Of the, the 13 guys we took, we had one guy out sick. Uh, we had 11 placers, so we're, we're very excited. That's fantastic. Now let's look at the girls' side of things. They are also into the tournament. Uh, what's the situation there? Oh, uh, yeah, the, the girls wrestled really well. We hosted the pre-regional. Um, the state, if, instead of making it simple like sectionals and district, uh, they have regional and pre-regional. So <laughs> we, we hosted the pre-regional last Sunday, and uh, we have 11 girls in our lineup right now. And the 11 girls in our lineup, we have 10 advancing to the regional tournament. Uh, we had three champions, three runner-ups, handful of thirds and fourths. Like, we, we were very excited the way the girls wrestled. We look good. How would you evaluate this year? I'm very happy with the team. I mean, we've had some girls battling through injuries off and on throughout the season, so we've never been really at full strength. Um, even like right now, our 155-pounder Grace Ann Strasball had ankle surgery a couple weeks ago, and so we don't have her for the postseason, but... 
Uh, we're excited about where she's going to be next year, and we're lucky she's returning. But the girls are they're peaking at the right time. Everybody's getting healthy. Attitudes have been great in the room. They're starting to focus in on, on the little things, which is what we need. And uh, I really like our chances at the regional tournament to, to, to make a great showing for state. And the boys, do you feel like they've stacked up to the expectations coming in? 100%. Um, the, the challenge the coaching staff and I put down for the kids every, every year is we said uh, that the season isn't a sprint. It's a, it's a marathon. We want to get better as the year goes on. That's our goal. We want to peak mentally and physically uh, and, and strategically at the end of the season. I think we're there. I mean, the guys are locked in. Um, Every single week, they're improving on little things, and that's what we want to do. Um, and we're, we just tell them to treat this week like we do any other week. We're not going to rock the boat. We're not going to do anything crazy. Um, we're just going to show up. We're going to wrestle. Now might be a good time for any thank yous. I could go on and on. My parents' support has been phenomenal this year on both the guys' and girls' side. And the athletic department. Oh, f- phenomenal support. I, I mean, uh, Carrie Buck and, and, and Nate Weirau, do, they, they give us all the support I could ask for. Um, you know, I don't, I don't get told no very often. We have a great administrative staff, so like just having that support has been has been great. It's been a good run to this point. Our congratulations and the best of luck for to your athletes as they continue in the tournament. Thank you. Looking forward to it. And Finley uh, head coach, head wrestling coach Ben Kirian, uh, talking with uh, John Marshall on the coach's corner earlier this week. Uh, individual districts being held tonight uh, for the boys at Perrysburg. Best of luck to the Trojan Grapplers as well as the uh, Trojan Hoopsters. We've got the basketball game for you tonight here on WFIN as Trojans host Toledo Wait to open up the uh, basketball tournament. Uh, other action uh, in the uh, hardwood around the area. Uh, over on our sister station, 100.5 WKXA tonight, Delphus Jefferson is at Pandora Gilboa. And on 106.3 The Fox, Van Buren advances from earlier in the week to take on the Ottawa Glandorf Titans. And you can follow all of the area tournament action on the WFIN scoreboard page, powered by ScoreStream and presented by Owens Community College. Go to WFIN.com slash scoreboard for the latest updates in real time. And best of luck all the way around. This is Good Mornings with Chris Oaks on 1330 WFIN, WFIN.com and 95.5 FM. We interrupt this program to bring you a broken news alert. A robbery in Nebraska uh, with a very unusual weapon brandished by the thief. Um, apparently, uh, Isaiah Bartu walked into a quick shop with a Hostess cinnamon rolls box on his right hand. <laughs> walked into the... Walked into the place uh, with a uh, Hostess cinnamon rolls box on his right hand. Uh, The woman who was working at the store reportedly handed over the cash in the register, fearing that the box concealed a weapon. The story doesn't say whether he actually claimed to have a weapon. It doesn't say... The, the story doesn't report exactly what he said to the clerk, but the clerk handed over the money. Probably uh, a good idea because once police did catch up with Mr. Bartu, uh, he, they found the cash. They also did find a handgun, so he may very well have had a, a gun under the box. But <laughs> he just walked in brandishing the box. Um, they also, Police also report finding meth on his person when they arrested him. 
Uh, he has uh, previously been convicted of another robbery during which two bottles of alcohol were stolen. So, <laughs> Mr. Bartu had a uh, full, rich day right there. That's... <laughs> Rather unusual. Uh, elsewhere in the broken news, speaking of uh, robberies, now how crazy is this? I don't know if you heard about this story. The Kansas City Chiefs superfan who robbed a number of banks, including a credit union near Tulsa, is facing up to 50 years in prison. 20-year-old Xavier Babudar, uh, also known as Chief Sahalik, uh, because... He uh, frequently attends Chiefs games in, uh, apparently, he wears, um, like, full wolf attire or something. I think he's been on TV. You've seen this guy, right? He's at the uh, Chiefs game. He's all decked out in this wolf attire with all of the uh, Chiefs garb. Well, apparently, he is accused of robbing banks to fund his lifestyle, which included attending Kansas City Chiefs games. That's how he could afford to go to all of those Chiefs games. He was robbing banks uh, all over the region. Um, Mr. Uh, Babudar pleaded guilty in federal court to money laundering and transporting stolen property across state lines. Prosecutors say uh, that he would um, rob the banks and then launder the money through casinos. <laughs> In the area, his whole scheme uh, worked out. Um, prosecutors say he removed his ankle monitor while awaiting trial in Oklahoma and was arrested last July in California. So if you haven't seen him at Chiefs games, that's why. Uh, but that's how he uh, funded his lifestyle, and he is now going away for a very long time. <laughs> okay. You know, every now and then you uh, have a story like this in the uh, broken news where uh, highway signs, you see these in the news from time to time, highway signs get hacked. A road sign in Washington state appears to have been hacked to display a message, a unique message. Uh, the road sign near Audubon Park uh, warned Wednesday morning, uh, warned uh, drivers of angry raccoons ahead. <laughs> Warning, angry raccoons ahead. <laughs> Officials claim to have no knowledge of angry raccoons in the area. I thought that was the best part of the story. Uh, the uh, Department of Transportation in Washington actually had to come out and make a statement uh, saying that they know of no angry raccoons. <laughs> Mike Beggs uh, believes someone twisted the lock on the back of the sign. Um uh, uh, twisted the lock open and hacked the message. However, uh, Mr. Beggs, with the Department of Transportation, was glad the message uh, was inoffensive, uh, and he admits it was rather humorous. Uh, we are fortunate that it wasn't an R-rated message. Audubon Park is uh, much better known for its squirrel population, not angry raccoons. <laughs> they point out. <laughs> Warning, angry raccoons ahead. <laughs> couple of other items in the uh, broken news here this morning. Always have to have something out of Florida. Here is today's story. A strip club patron in Port St. Lucie who refused to tip the strippers got a tip of his own from a worker who allegedly assaulted him with a small stack of cash. 
the employees, this is according to the arrest report, the employees were upset that the victim had not thrown money at them, which is a common practice at this particular establishment. <laughs> Love the way the, the wording on the arrest report is a common practice at this establishment. The uh, victim who was inebriated was talking about having a lot of money and not wanting to provide a tip. Uh, this was uh, a friend who ratted him out to the uh, police when they showed up because there was a big uh, hubbub, big hullabaloo. And so police ended up being called. And one of the guy's friends told police that he was talking about having a lot of money and not wanting to provide a tip. And that apparently led to a confrontation with uh, Victoria Jones, a 28-year-old dancer who picked up a small stack of money and threw it toward the victim, hitting him in the face. Um, the guy's uh, friend, uh, actually says, and this guy was not named in the, uh, in the report that I saw here, but, uh, the friend claims that Ms. Jones actually slapped him in the face with the wad of cash. Uh, Ms. Jones was arrested for battery, but the moral of the story, I think, uh, would have to be always tip your stripper. That's really the moral of the story. Always trip your stripper. <laughs> and fi- <laughs> finally, because you never want a night at the strip club to end up with police uh, being involved in someone going to jail, even if it's not you. You know, you don't want to be a part of that. So always tip your stripper. And finally, in the broken news this morning, this is a crazy story. Thank goodness it has a happy ending. Officials say a man was rescued after nearly two days uh, following an accident where he accidentally drove his car off the side of a cliff in California. Drove his car off the side of a cliff. And uh, spent two, nearly two days waiting to be rescued after the man didn't make it home from work on Sunday night. Uh, police were called and rescuers uh, headed out on Tuesday. Apparently, you know, you didn't come home. They give you a little bit of time to show up. But on Tuesday, authorities set out to look for the vehicle um, along the coastline between Carmel and Big Sur in California. Authorities say when they found the car, it was about 400 feet down a cliff, and the man was standing next to the car waving a makeshift flag. <laughs> Uh, He was taken to the hospital, but officials say uh, he appeared to be stable and uh, suffered only a minor to moderate injuries. So 400 feet down and only minor to moderate injuries and uh, spending two days stranded on the side of a cliff. That is crazy. Glad it has a happy ending, but my goodness, that could have been what an excursion that guy had. Got a story to tell for sure. There you go. Uh, that is today's broken news report. An update on the odd and unusual side of the headlines. We now return you to your regularly scheduled programming. Primary election day is March 19th, and WFIN is presenting a series of candidate forums so you can hear from the candidates you'll see on the ballot. Coming up on Monday, the candidates for Hancock County Commissioner, Holly Frischie, Jeffrey Hunker, and Jeff Wobser. The candidate forums presented by the Hancock County Republican Party. Join us Monday at 5 p.m. live from the Marathon Center for the Performing Arts on 1330 WFIN, WFIN. WFIN.com and 95.5 FM. Real quick daily download this morning as we kick into 
tax season, you know, high gear, uh, tax season kicks into high gear, the uh, IRS expects 128.7 million returns to be filed this year. Some 34 million have already been processed, so the vast majority of returns have yet to come in. Uh, A new survey by TurboTax finds that among young adults... Between the ages of 18 to 26, Gen Zers, 56% say they are intimidated by tax season. Um, the biggest concern, the reason why this is uh, worrisome, according to the experts at TurboTax, they say uh, a lot of those young adults will leave money on the table because they are worried that they might get audited by claiming something. But they say, if you are entitled to it, claim it. Uh, the average young American believes that they will receive a $935 tax refund this year when the actual average refund so far is $3,207. That, by the way, a 2.1% increase from last year at this point. Um, and the IRS says most refunds are uh, being issued within 21 days of filing. So, again, if you have a deduction or a credit that you are entitled to, Take it. That's why it's there. Once again, to finish up the week, my wife Kyra has joined us in the studio with another collection of easy, tasty recipes for your family from Kyra's Kitchen. Good morning. Good morning. I'm bright-eyed and bushy-tailed on this beautiful... Friday morning, yep. lots of sunshine. Yep. It's going to be a beautiful weekend. Yes, it's going to warm nice up again. Nice week. We're going to get spoiled again for a couple days, and then it's going to go back down to 20 <laughs> it's degrees. It's a roller coaster. Well, I don't know that it's going to go back to 20 degrees and, and snow, but uh, hopefully hey, we're done with that. We'll week. see. Why not? We'll see. Anyway, uh, we do have a uh, collection of recipes that would be good for uh, a chilly, yeah. you know, late yeah. winter, early spring day. Yeah. Uh, some of these would be really good anytime, but uh, we had this the other night. Yes. Um, it is a, a Runza casserole. Yes. I don't know where that name comes from. I don't either. Runza I, casserole. Yeah. But, uh, but, these were, but these were good. Yes, they, it was. It was uh, one container of refrigerated crescent roll sheet. I got the sheet, not the actual crescent rolls. Not the individual crescent right. rolls. The, I like the, sheet. the sheets. Okay. It's easier. <laughs> uh, Especially when you're not using them as crescent right. rolls. Correct. Yeah. So yes. in this case, you're not. So. Yes. A half a pound of ground sausage, a half a pound of ground beef, one tablespoon minced garlic, two tablespoons of butter, two cups of cabbage shredded, salt and pepper to taste, and mozzarella cheese shredded. So pre preheat your oven to 350 degrees, grease a nine-inch pie pan with nonstick cooking spray set aside um, unroll a tube of your crescent roll sheet cut in half um, now I cut mine more like uh, my one was a little bit shorter than my other one because I used my pie pan okay and so the bottom part is smaller so gotcha. so um, that's what I did uh, form into a circle place on uh, the bottom half of your prep pie pan and bake for about five minutes. Uh, While that's baking, place your ground sausage and beef in a large skillet over medium-high heat, break up, season, and cook until no longer pink. Drain your fat, add your butter to the center of the pan. Once melted, add your garlic 
and some salt and pepper. Combine everything and cook for about two minutes. Add your cabbage, let it cook for about another five minutes, and then spread that mixture over your baked crescent roll sheet. Top with your cheese and the other half of your crescent roll. Bake until the top is golden brown, about 20 to 25 minutes. Let's sit for about five minutes before cutting and enjoy. Yeah, it really is uh, good. It's like a uh, uh, beef sausage yeah. uh, cabbage yeah. Um, pie. Yeah, and I've <laughs> saw, I saw some other recipes where they used like uh, Campbell's mushroom soup or something mm, like that Okay, um, instead of the cheese. All right. Um, so if you're so more you wanting creamy, then you could do that. I just, I like the cheese and yeah. it, so you it can play good. around with that and yeah. uh, mm-hmm. experiment with it yeah. um, based off of that basic recipe yeah. there. The I'm not a big, casserole. yeah, I'm not a big Campbell's soup type person, the canned soups type stuff. So, okay. so that's why I like the mozzarella cheese. On but it. I can see where that would be yeah. uh, good It'd too. It'd be good too. Yeah. yeah. Uh, we do have, speaking of soups, have a homemade baked potato soup. Yes. And I love potato soup. Yes. I, I, this that's is one of, one of my favorites. favorites. Yep. So uh, six strips of bacon cooked, a half a medium onion chopped, six red potatoes cut, uh, a half a, or a quarter cup of flour, four cups of milk, uh, one cup chicken broth, one tablespoon minced garlic, one cup grated cheddar cheese, or more, uh, just depending on your taste, uh, one cup sour cream and salt and pepper to taste. So cut up your bacon, add it to a soup pot, fry over medium high heat until it's nice and crispy. Once the bacon is done, take it out of the pot and transfer to a paper towel um, lined plate and to get all that kind of grease and stuff off, leave about two tablespoons of the bacon fat in the pot, pot, discard the rest of the bacon fat, add the onion to the pot and saute for about five minutes, stir in the flour and cook for about another minute or so, whisk the milk in slowly until the flour has dissolved. Um, I use like my whisk uh, mm-hmm. to kind of do that. And, right. and then add in your chicken broth. And as you're adding, use your... You're whisking that yeah, as you're whisking adding that in the as chicken you're adding broth. In yeah. the chicken broth, your garlic and your potatoes. Increase the heat to high. Scrape um, up any brown bits from the bottom of your pot. Uh, when the soup is almost boiling, reduce the heat and cover the pot with the lid slightly open. Let the soup simmer for about 20 minutes or so, uh, stirring your sour cream and most of your cheddar cheese and bacon. Season with um, some salt and pepper as needed. And then uh, once that's all done, ready to go, then uh, top each bowl with some cheddar and bacon, which mm. is optional. Yeah, that is. But <laughs> it's cheddar cheese I and know. bacon. I mean, who wouldn't want it? It's optional, yes, but more. who wouldn't want to? Add um, more. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. No, it is uh, absolutely scrumptious. Yes. The uh, baked potato soup. Easy yeah. uh, to do. Yes. And uh, very, very yummy. And yes. then for dessert, you have a recipe for chewy oatmeal cookies. Yes. This is a uh, nice traditional staple yes. here. So one cup unsalted butter softened, one cup white sugar, one cup baked packed brown sugar, two eggs slightly beaten, one teaspoon vanilla extract, two cups of all-purpose flour, one teaspoon of baking soda, one teaspoon of kosher salt, one and a half teaspoons of cinnamon, and three cups of your quick cooking oats. So preheat your oven to 375 degrees. Uh, prepare your baking sheet with either parchment paper or cooking spray in a medium bowl or using a stand mixer, cream together your butter, your white sugar, and your brown sugar. Then beat in your egg uh, one at a time. Once that's all uh, 
combined, then stir in your vanilla, combine your flour, your baking soda, your salt, your cinnamon in a separate bowl and stir the cream mixture into that. Um, add in the oats a little at a time until combined. Use a small or medium uh, cookie scoop and drop dough two inches apart on a cookie sheet. Flatten each one slightly a little bit. Uh, bake for exactly eight minutes. Uh, you do not want to overbake it because you want them to be chewy. Mm-hmm. Uh, allow cookies to cool and bake about our um, on the baking sheet for about five minutes, then transfer to a wire rack to cool completely. Mm. And by the way, and this is one of the few things that I know uh, about, you know, uh, cooking in the kitchen myself. Yes. Uh, you mentioned the quick cooking oats. Yes. That is different than the instant uh, oatmeal. Or, yeah. The, you know, the, the, the yeah. stuff that you microwave. Yeah. This is the stuff. These are the oats that you would that you would cook. Yes. Uh, and there is a difference yes. between those two. Oh, yeah. So when you say quick cooking oats. Mm-hmm. Uh, yep. And you, then you've got your whole oats also. Yeah. So, but, which aren't quite as quick cooking. So you just want to make sure you get the quick cooking oats. Yeah. Uh, because that's the... Yep. Uh, for this recipe. Im- important for the recipe. Yeah. So I'll make mention of that. So yes. there you go. The uh, recipes for the Runza casserole. Uh, why we call it that, I have no idea. Maybe <laughs> if you know, you can share yes, uh, the answer on our uh, Facebook page. Um, the baked potato soup and the chewy oatmeal cookies, those recipes are all uh, posted on the Kyra's Kitchen Facebook page, yep. correct? Yes, at, they are. At Kyra's Kitchen WFIN on Facebook. Make sure you like her page for all of the recipes each week. And uh, you can share your favorites as well. Kind of interact with Kyra's Kitchen and uh, maybe share. We mentioned there are uh, all kinds of ways with the uh, runes of casserole especially you yes. can you know kind of play with it a little bit yes. and come up with your own ideas so if you have some other ideas you can post about those there as well if there's something you want us to uh, highlight a recipe you want to share or a recipe you're looking for uh, reach out again the uh, Kyra's Kitchen Facebook page at Kyra's Kitchen WFIN on Facebook. My wife, Kyra, thanks very much. You're welcome. And that will finish up our podcast for today. I want to thank all of our guests for joining us on the program, of course. Remember, you can get more information about all of the topics that we talk about each and every day on the show at our webpage. We invite you to check us out online at goodmornings.net. Coming up Monday on the program, Findlay Hancock County Economic Development Director Dan Schaefer will join us to talk about a major milestone for the community a decade in the making. So until Monday morning, that is good mornings for this morning. Now that you've had a good morning, gone out and make it a good day, a great weekend. We'll catch you back here next week.